Hey. Awesome. So glad to be with you. Pastor Jaron and his lovely bride, Brittany, are in the back for the youth. Anyone 6th to 12th grade, if you want to go back and join them, they'll take you for your service, and then uh, we'll bring you back up to join us at the end of the service. God bless you guys. So glad you're here with us online and in person. Uh, just want to share with you that we're not a perfect church or perfect people. We are here because we know we need God's help, and he's provided that help through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's an amazing, amazing God, and he has provided this incredible help for us because we could not do it on our own, no doubt about that. And you know, in the first service, if, you, um, if you're a person that like sends the services to people to watch, thank you for doing that. Our services are always on our uh, YouTube page, Christian Faith Fellowship. If you just put that in there for Tucson, Arizona, it'll come up. And I uh, just want you to know that the first service didn't happen online until like the last song in the message because time change everywhere else in our country except Arizona. The rest of them need to get it together and just stop that stuff. And then we'd all stay on the same page, you know what I mean? But uh, So that kind of got messed up a little bit. But we're live, we're online, and so we just want you to know, if you want to send it to them, you can send the 11 o'clock service or the 915 if it's a condensed version. Just let them know if they come in person that it's not that short. Promise. Okay? All right. You spent at least five minutes a day, at least five days last week, reading or listening to God's Word. You know, it's so critical in our life. I want to share that with you. I'm seeing in the first service, I talked about this as well. When we started putting together these accountability questions many, many years ago, I think it started back in 2009, and I started asking them every week. Uh, this all came from a place in my life that uh, my wife, Kim, and I, uh, we were married back in 19... Did I say buried first? <laughs> we did. We kind of buried the old life and started new together. That's still appropriate. Uh, we were married in 1983. We went to a Christian conference in 1984 down in Detroit, Michigan. And at that conference, she and I were walking with the Lord together, and God was uh, doing amazing stuff in our life. But we were very immature in our Christian life, you know, as we're walking with God. I mean, she was raised by an atheist, didn't even let her go to church. And I was a preacher's kid, so, you know... Uh, you didn't have to laugh at that, but you know what I mean. Like, preacher's kids other than mine, have issues. Uh, and I had them. And so, you know, when God brought her into my life, it was just an incredible thing that he did, and he has used her in my life. And so here we are walking together, so excited to be serving the Lord together. And we were at that conference, and there was a challenge put forth that we would make a covenant with God, that we would spend at least five minutes a day for the rest of our lives in God's Word every day. And so her and I praying together and talking together in that conference agreed together that we would make this covenant, and we did, and we've been faithful to it. And I want you to know this because, you know, it's like, well, it's only five minutes. It is, but it's every day of your life, a minimum of five minutes in God's word. And I can tell you that because of that covenant, God has absolutely transformed me. Because when you spend time in God's word, God has an opportunity to speak. And when God speaks, it's about living his ways and not your way. So the reason why we began to ask this question of all of you, I didn't ask you to make a covenant. I'm not asking you to do that today. I'm not. I wouldn't put that to you. I'm saying what we need to do, though, and when we said this as a minimum, five minutes a day, five days a week, what we were saying is like, get into God's word, let him get into you. Because I know that if you started committing yourself to at least five days, you will be doing it seven days. You will. Because you can't go without it. Because you know that if you miss a day, you struggle. 
And if you miss one day, it's easy to miss two days. And once you miss two days, pretty soon it's three and four days. And then you're like down here in the dirt and you're wondering why everything's screwed up. So why? So the whole point was to get us engaged in God's word so that God can get engaged with us. We can be open to what he's saying to us. And that's again why we ask you the next question. And I'm not preaching all of these. I'm just trying to help us as we walk along. Did you spend time alone with God this week with no agenda? See, it's giving God that opportunity to talk, not just through the word, but also just by quieting ourselves. The world is noisy. I was one of six kids. I was used to chaos. When we get together for holidays still, I mean, right now, uh, Kim and I, we host all the holiday events, birthday parties, different stuff at our house, most of that stuff. And when we do, there's like 30 people in our house, just our family here. And it's loud. All right, so I, you, know, you know how loud it is. If you're someone that doesn't have that, I'll, you can just call me. I'll put it on FaceTime and, you know, you can experience it for yourself. But I'm telling you that when Kim and I first got married, I came from chaos to quiet, and I could not sleep. I was like, what is this? It was silence. I had never heard that in my life before. I got a sister. That was a joke. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, she's younger than me. And I always mess with her. But anyway, I'd never heard silence until we got married. And I'm like, dude, I can't handle this. So it's like noise. So we need to quiet ourselves before God. Because everything is just trying to get our attention. And God's up there like, here I am. Why would we not spend time with God, giving him, the creator of the universe, opportunity if he wants to say something to us? Quiet. You know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? That's God. He's talking. Are you giving as God's asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? Did you share Jesus with someone this week? Did you invite someone to church today? All right, if you need cards, they're up here. Come join us, cards. That gives you the opportunity to not only invite them to church, but also tell them about Jesus in your life. We've been talking about battles and wars and ragings and impossibilities. Opportunities, right? We were talking about last week. We were talking about opportunities. The opportunities that come where you can either whine about everything or you can be a warrior and face everything. You had a lot of opportunities this week, didn't you? Yeah. How'd you do? So three people. That must be why we're going to talk about this today. So three people were warriors and the rest were whiners. All right, so we don't want any whiners. You know God doesn't like that, right? He doesn't. If you, if you read the scriptures, you'll know that he did not like the complaining whiners, the Israelites in the wilderness. It's mentioned throughout scriptures how they were a bunch of whiners, and he didn't like it. So quit whining. Let's move on. Let's be warriors. God's calling us to this battle that's in front of us, and there are always opportunities for us to endure, which builds up our faith, which brings joy because I rely on God. So we have opportunities to praise God in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the storm, kind of like what we were just singing we do. Now we actually got to do it, right? So here we are. So in our Warriors Men's Group, so we have two of those groups, in case some of you guys aren't aware. We have an online Zoom meeting that happens on Wednesday night at 6.30, and there's an in-person Warriors group that meets at the church here at 6.30. We also have Celebrate Recovery that meets here at the church on Wednesday night at 6.30. So I'm just telling you that God's got you all hooked up to take care of you, right? There's ladies groups in the meeting of the week, Tuesday morning, different. I mean, we can grow. We can grow. We just need to step into it, right? So the reason I'm bringing this up is because in the Warriors men's group on Wednesday night, um, we go through a specific book, a chapter per week, and we're going through Revelation. 
So for some of you that are like, oh, I want to get into that, just hold on a second. So the reason why we're going through the Revelation and the way that we're going through Revelation is very different than any way that I've ever looked at the book before or anyone else would. So usually when we read Revelation, we're all trying to find out the mystery of the future. What's going to happen? What is happening? How can we tie in today's events into the coming of Christ and tell everybody he's coming today and all that? That's the way we read Revelation. It is a lot of that. I'm not knocking that. But the way that we're studying Revelation chapter by chapter is we read the scriptures daily and we're asking God to speak to me personally about what he wants to say to me about my life and how I can apply it today. Right? So it's not like so that I can discover the future. It's so that I can be discovered inside to be more like Christ. And so I want you to know as we've been going through it, it's been one of the more exciting studies I've ever done on Revelation. It's amazing. It's beautiful. And so as we're going through that, it's so cool how God does this because as he's leading us through our Sunday messages and he's leading that study through where we are, which I didn't plan any of that because I'm not a good planner, but God is an amazing planner and he brought us to these points right here together. And I want to read some of the scriptures that we had last week in our warriors group in Revelation 12 because the scriptures that we read today have everything to do with what we've been talking about in the messages and what God wants to say to us today. And in Revelation chapter 12, we are given this message, and I want you to be remembering that Jesus Christ is the revelation, and he is the revealer of this message through John the Apostle to the church. So God is sending this message to us through John, and it's about Jesus Christ being revealed and the victory that he has won for us. So here it is. Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle. Woo! Yeah! All right, we can celebrate. Yeah! All right, we're going to keep reading. What does it say here? And he and his angels, who? The dragon. And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great Dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to the earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. Just pausing. Think about that, man. All right, so here's what we get this like. We've been given a picture of a war that took place in heavens, and this is past. Not everything in Revelation is future. This already happened. And so we're told that the devil got a third of the angels to follow him and tried to mutiny against God. And Michael, the archangel, the angel that oversees the nation of Israel, led the armies of the angels of God and defeated Satan himself and cast him down on the earth. But the word of God says something incredibly important for you and I in this. The accuser of the brothers and sisters, the one who accuses them before God day and night. So here's the devil. Man, your church, look at, I want you to look at Dave. This is the devil. Like, he's a mess. I can mess him up. He's not really what he says he is. He's not who you, God, think he is. He's fake. I got him. He's the accuser. But he's not just an accuser. 
he's also at war with us. And he wants to make sure that I am not who God says I am. He wants to make sure that I'm not who I say I am. He wants to make sure that I'm not living the way God has called me to live and to do the things that God has asked me to do. He is the accuser of us before God day and night. He never rests in his disgust and anger towards us. Listen, we're going to keep reading the scripture. Listen, the one who accuses them before our God day and night, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. That's the good news right there, church. We are not subject to the devil. We have defeated him by the blood of Christ and the word of our testimony. And therefore, he is not stronger than me. He does not win a battle against me. I stand in the blood of Christ. And I share the good news of the gospel of Jesus that there is victory found in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I stand in that victory, and I want everybody to know about it. And the word of God says, that's how I'm victorious. Yeah. No wonder the enemy doesn't want us telling anybody about Jesus. Oh, no wonder. Why? Because it's the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The fact that we're telling other people that I stand victorious in Christ. And we share the good news with them. And that is how we live in victory and defeat the enemy. And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. They did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. The death of self that Christ might live. Let's keep reading. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens, rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. Oh, you see, the enemy's ticked off, and he knows he lost. He's angry because he lost. And the reason why he's angry is he lost is because he can't defeat God and he can't defeat the angels of heaven and therefore he wants to defeat you and I. See, we represent Jesus here. And so he's angry at God, therefore he's angry at us. And he's the one that is engaging in a war against us and he's doing everything he can to accuse us before God and make us fall. That's what he's doing. The word of God tells us this. What we need to own out of this message that is given to us in Revelation is it is through the blood of Christ that we have victory and sharing that testimony of who Jesus is in our life that we stand victorious and the devil is defeated. So we know that we're saved through the blood of Christ alone. There is no other way. And that we share that good news with other people that it is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. You can get a church membership. You can be baptized. You can do all kinds of stuff, but none of that stuff saves you. Only the blood of Christ can save you. And therefore, we do the other things as a result of being saved. They don't save us at all. So as we look in that scripture, we know the blood of Christ brings victory. The word of our testimony brings victory. But we also need to see that part that was right there at the end and understand what we are being told. But terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. So the devil not only knows that he's defeated, but he knows that we, and through Christ and the blood of Christ, have victory over him, and that ticks him off. See, he doesn't like the fact that we have authority over him, but we do. And we have that authority through the blood of Christ. And he's angry about that. And he's angry that the world is here making a decision to either follow Christ 
or not follow Christ. And so his whole objective is to try and get as many people as he can to not follow Christ. And he's waging a war against humanity to do it. So as we look at this, it's like, well, he knows he's defeated. Anybody that knows they're defeated, if you're a football fan and you can see on, if you watch that, if you watch those things and you see them, when they show the sideline, when they're being beaten, it's pretty obvious what team's leading and what team's losing. You don't even have to look at the scoreboard. If they just show the sidelines, on this side, everybody's like slapping each other in the back, smiling, they're excited. The other side, everybody's kind of sitting there solemn by themselves and looking around and they got their head down. That's the enemy. That's who he is. Please remember that. All right, now as we think about this, he's ticked off, he's angry, and he's taking it out on us because he can't take it out on God. He can't take it out on the angels of heaven. So the only thing he can do is take it out on us. This is the source of the war that is raging for your soul and mine. So when we know that this is what's happening and we know that he's angry at us and that he never rests, you and I can't afford to take a day off. So that's what we're talking about. When I asked you, are you reading at least five days a week? You need to be reading seven days a week. You need to be spending time in prayer with God. You need to be listening to God. You need to be worshiping God. You need to spend time with him every single day because when we're not, the enemy's ready to pounce on us. And the only way we have victory is in the blood of Christ. Therefore, I want to stay in the victory of Christ, in the blood of Christ, and remain right there in the center of what God says to me. Let's continue reading, right? We have to absolutely be in tune with the Holy Spirit so that we know where we are is where God wants us. Hebrews chapter 2. We also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. So what we're seeing right here in the scriptures, there's other place to see this. This is just a brief statement of this for you and I to understand. Jesus Christ, God himself, the word became flesh, human flesh. He was born of a virgin because the seed of humanity coming through a man in the form of a human sperm, was already contaminated by sin. So the Holy Spirit birthed a second Adam, a new creation, into Mary's womb, and she became pregnant as a virgin to give birth to a sinless man. Hear me, church. This is so critically important for us. Jesus Christ became flesh like you and I. It tells us right here it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us. Why? Because the only way you and I could have victory over sin in our lives is if someone won that victory for us because we already screwed it up. And so he came and he lived a sinless life in the flesh. He did not use his deity to defeat sin. If he did, there's no hope for you and I. Jesus Christ lived in the flesh as a human being, just like me and you, and he resisted temptation that you and I face, and he did not sin. And that is how he became the sinless sacrifice for your and my sin, and he made a way for you and I to step into his victory so that you and I could own what he bought for us that we could not buy for ourselves, nor could we ever get it any other way. And that's why when the word of God said in Revelation, they overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb. 
because Jesus Christ defeated him at the cross of Calvary and he took my sins and yours upon his sinless flesh and he paid God's penalty, death, for you and I. And he took our sin. Man, woo, man, that's awesome stuff right there. Man, is God awesome. Thank you, God. Thank you. We don't deserve it. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Oh, man, is that awesome or what? So what God's saying to us is like, look, man, I've been there. I know what you're facing. There's victory. You don't have to be defeated. The enemy wants you to think you have to be defeated. He wants you to think you're owned by sin. He wants you to think there's no way for you to be different. And Jesus says, look, I faced all that. I did not give in. Therefore, I'm here to give to you victory that you can't own on your own. And I will help you stand victorious. Stay in the blood of Christ. Stay right there. And you will not fall. That's God's promise. That's God's word. He says, I know it. The word of God tells us he was tempted in every way like you and I, yet he did not sin. Victorious. Isn't that amazing? Thank you, God, for what you've done for us. So when Jesus lived in his flesh like you and I, defeating sin in the flesh for you and I, and this is all biblical. Dave's not making this up. Read your Bible. Okay, just so everybody understands, I'm not creating some new theology. This is actually what the Bible says. And we've got to own what God's word says, not what somebody might have told you or someone's trying to make excuses for messed up living. Church, it's time we own the gospel and own the blood of Christ in our lives and live in the victory that has been purchased for us in Jesus Christ. This isn't something that's coming in heaven. It's something available now. God's word is amazing and it's truth. Listen, let's going to see what God says to us because you see, the only way for us to live in victory is to live in the power of God, the Holy Spirit. Christ has paid the price for us. We say yes to him. We receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. The Holy Spirit is a deposit inside of us. God's word says that very word. He is a deposit in us. So God now lives in us. So God doesn't get defeated. God doesn't give in to sin. God doesn't surrender to the devil. He's already defeated him. Right? Come on. Therefore, the victory is in us. Now we've just got to own it and start living that victory because it's already been provided. God's word says so, and it's time, church, that we own this. Listen, Galatians 5. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Oh, so the Holy Spirit's in me. He's called the guide by Jesus. And we're told right here in the scriptures, we now have to let him. Oh, is that a surrender? Yep. That's a surrender. I bet there's a little bit of a trust in there, and I bet there's some obedience that follows. What do you think? Right? So as we look at that, it's so let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Anybody have that war going on? Right? It's biblical. It's right there. But it's not like you don't have to live in that, like, split personality. Thank you, Jesus. And the Spirit gives us 
desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. See, you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Oh, wait a minute. There's something important right here. It's like in your flesh, you can't just decide, I'm going to live right. You try and do it in your flesh, you'll fall every time. You think you can defeat the enemy on your own flesh? Good luck with that. You're done. See, it's only the Holy Spirit that can give us victory. And so when you listen to what's stated next to us, listen to it. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Oh, so it's like self-motivated righteousness doesn't work. So doing it like, oh, I'm going to live it for God. No, you're not. You can't. So what are we talking about? He says when you're directed by the Spirit. Listen, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, the Word of God just tells us that, like, if you're living in sin and you're living and doing any of that stuff, you're not going to heaven. You can say you're a Christian. You can say anything you want to. Do you remember when Jesus said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do miracles in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not? He's like, depart from me. I never knew you. You read that scripture? See, it doesn't matter what you think you say or what you think you know. What's the truth of the matter is, is what you live is your faith. And the word of God just said, like, if you live in this types of sin and you're doing these kinds of things, you're not going to heaven. All right, I'm, I'm telling you this because it's God's word, not because it's something I want to promote. I want to promote the true gospel of Jesus Christ and let people know there is victory in Jesus Christ alone and you can live a victorious life. Church, God has provided it for us and we've got to own it. Man, it's so amazing when I look at that. He's like, Don't, this isn't a complete list of sins. So if you were like, oh, I didn't do that, I didn't do that, I didn't do that, I didn't do that. I'm like, woo, man, I got it. No, he said other sins like these. So there's more. All right. So anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So church, see what we're seeing right now is the flesh will lead you to death in hell. The spirit will lead you to life in heaven. The flesh will lead you to defeat. The Spirit will lead you to victory. So it's that plain. It's right there for us. And so now I look in the Scripture and I'm like, oh, so do I want heaven or do I want hell? Do I want life or do I want death? Do I want victory or do I want defeat? Hello. Of course I want that. Everybody wants that. Don't we? I mean, I hope you want that. I hope you want the victory, the heaven, all that stuff. Well, let's keep reading then. Listen. We're not, we're not stopping. I'm going to go back to that verse just for a second. Uh, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Amen. So the contrast is given to us right here in the scriptures and what we are given is a view of when we're following the flesh this is the product of following the flesh 
the envy, the drunkenness, the orgies, the sexual immorality, the things, all that stuff is when we're following the flesh. We're given this saying like when we follow the Spirit, then that shows the activity of the Spirit in your life because these are the things that begin to be seen in your life rather than that. Okay, now, I want you to see this and make sure that we understand that the Word of God says that the Holy Spirit produces this in us. It's not something we produce. We can't manufacture spirituality. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. So, here's the contrast. When you and I are surrendered and living in the blood of Christ, the Holy Spirit is now at work in my life, and the Holy Spirit is now producing that fruit of the Spirit that we were just hearing about. We just read the list that's right there in front of us. So the Holy Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all these types of things that are there, right? So the Holy Spirit is doing that work inside of me. And so now as I live this life as a Christian and I'm no longer giving into the flesh, I don't find myself in these circles. I find myself being developed, enduring, persevering, and walking in my faith. And God is developing these things in me. So I can tell you right now that as a young believer and even as a pastor early on in my ministry life that um, a lot of these things were not evident in my life. I was young in my walk with God. I was very young. I mean, I came to Christ as a 19-year-old and then I began pastor and I preached two weeks later and I became a pastor. I might have been like 23 when I became a lead pastor of a church. I was just a boy. And so as I was early in my maturity of my walk with God, I, I can see it as I look back and I remember those things and I'm like, oh God, thank you for that amazing church that put up with me. <laughs> because, like, <laughs> anyway, all I can say is thank you, Jesus, today. Thank you guys for putting up with me. I mean, it's like this journey is amazing and God has transformed me and is transforming me and I'm still learning stuff and he's calling me on it and he's taking me into places where he gives me the opportunity to practice and develop these things by relying on the spirit. And I wasn't good at that at first. You see, in my chaotic home that I lived in, it was a... It was a um, a verbal assault pretty much all the time. And so I'm talking about everywhere, from father to all the siblings. It kind of was just that way. And so you were raised where you learned to defend yourself by your sword of your tongue. And so you would just kind of like, if someone stabbed you, you cut them back. And so I was going to like, I developed that ability as a, as a defense, and that's no excuse, I'm just letting you know that I became very good at it. And um, when I got saved, see, and then I was called by God and he was changing and transforming me, now I had to learn that it wasn't okay for me to do that spiritually. Because what happened was, if someone... Uh, like if anybody just spoke something contrary or anything like that, my natural tendency would be to stab them. But now I'm not going to stab them with my flesh. I'm going to stab them with the word of God because now I have an authority behind me. And so now it's righteous. <laughs> so I would. And I would just like 
go after it because, see, it was my learned behavior of defense. And so if anybody had anything contrary, I would be aggressive. And God began to speak to me about that and like, you need to chill out and you need to step back. God doesn't need me to defend him. He doesn't want me to defend him. He needs no defense. What God asks me to do is to love people where they are, speak the truth, but speak the truth in love. See, I, I spoke the truth, but it wasn't always in love. And so what happened as a pastor, I can tell you this, I know this for a fact, people stopped coming to me. And they didn't ask me things because why would you? Why would you come to someone that's going to attack you? And so as God began to speak to me and humble me and bring me to that place where he's like, hey, <laughs> this is what I'm trying to develop in you. And you need to get out of my way. And so it was the death of myself and my learned behaviors that were unhealthy from my life that had to die in me by owning what the Spirit of God wanted to do in my life and surrendering to him, which required Dave to get out of the way so that God could be seen. And so I'm learning that walk with him. I want you to know that I'm not the same, but I'm also learning that even today as we move along. And I'm so grateful for God. So we see this contrast that God gives us between the sinning, sinning life and the saved life. There's a contrast, right? It's right there in the Bible. Flesh produces sin, Holy Spirit produces life. And so therefore, when we look at this and we have a choice to make, I've got to decide if I'm going to follow God's ways or my flesh ways. The next two verses that we read in that same section of Scripture give us insight into living victoriously. Listen to it. This is God's word to us. Right after we just read about the fruit of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives, it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. You see what he just told us? See, we have to give that to Jesus at the foot of the cross, allow the blood of Christ to take away that old sinful life and nail it to the cross. In other words, it needs to die. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Not just the church part. Every part. At work, at school, in the car, wherever we are. The Spirit needs to lead us in every part of our lives because He has victory for us in every one of those places that we live. So the death to our flesh is necessary to live the life of the Spirit. I've got to not live to the flesh any longer. I have to live to the Spirit of God. So we don't give in to those temptations that appeal to our flesh because we're walking in the Spirit. See, that's why we were asking you, are you staying in the Word of God? Are you listening to God? Are you spending time alone with Him? Are you being a good steward of His stuff? Are you worshiping God? Are you grateful to Him for all He's done for us? Because, see, when we stay in that walk with God, we stay strong in our relationship with Him. And when we slack off, we don't. Y'all know that, right? Haven't you experienced that? All of us have experienced that. Because when we miss, we miss. And when we miss, we slack. And when we slack, we fall. And so we stay in line with the Spirit of God, the blood of Christ, and where God has us, and that leads us into a victorious life. So the spiritual disciplines or exercises are what keep us in tune with the Spirit and on track with what the Holy Spirit is making us aware of and also making us aware of those escapes that He provides for us when we face those temptations that are trying to call us back into the flesh.
Romans 6. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Did you hear what that just told us? My responsibility. I have to make a choice. Do not go that way. Go that way. It's what it says right there. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Instead, I'm reading the scriptures again, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? It says, of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you what? To do what? Oh, so I choose. I choose to follow my flesh into sin, or I choose to follow the Spirit into life. You become the slave of whatever you choose. God has given us a free will to make that decision. And he tells us right here, you can, you're going to be the slave of one or the other. What's it going to be? See, it leads to life or death. It's your choice. You have to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. I mean, it's straight at us, isn't it? That's God's word. Are you a slave to sin, church? Or have you chosen to obey God and live the righteous life? What is it? It's right there. Keep reading in the scriptures, right? Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we're giving you. Hey, we were all like that, all of us. We're owned by sin. We all lived according to our flesh. We all made the wrong choices. God's word says so. But listen, it says you once were. See, something's changed. What has changed? Now I am a new person created anew in Christ Jesus, and I live a new life. That means I live a different way wholeheartedly live a new way. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation of doing right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that awesome? Man, oh man. That is beautiful right out of God's word, man. Romans 6, it's a beautiful chapter. You should read it. Man, we look at that and it's like, oh man, I want to choose life. Okay, then choose it. Choose it and live in obedience to the Spirit and you can experience that life for you personally. So we've been offered that free gift, salvation of God, that allows us to not only escape 
the fires and the eternity in hell, but it also gives us victory right here and now. The fullness of the life that God intended for us to live. In the midst of everything, church, victorious living in the power of the Holy Spirit right here, right now, not waiting for heaven. Victorious living right here, right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, staying in the blood of Christ, sharing that living testimony. We don't have to wait. It's available now. So here's your action steps. Have you repented and received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you taken the way of the Spirit or the flesh this week? Flesh or the Spirit? Life or death? Victory or defeat? What have you done this week? What have you done today? See, today you were already tempted to take the way of the flesh, weren't you? You were. You maybe aren't awake yet, but once you wake up, you're going to be tempted to take the way of the flesh. But God has said you can have victory. Step into the Spirit and He'll give it to us. I have a final charge to the church. And it's found in God's word in the book of Thessalonians. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. Pray, too, that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not everyone is a believer. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. Isn't that good news? And we are confident in the Lord that you are doing that you are doing and will continue to do the things that we command you. May the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. Man, is that good stuff or what? Isn't that awesome? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, you can get that for me right now, brother. So church, um, we want to have an altar call. If you don't know what that is, it's a moment where we're going to apply what God, God just challenged us with is from his word. And if we need to repent, re-engage, whatever it is the spirit of God's talking to you about, would you please respond to him? The altar's open. And we invite you forward so that you can step up and say, I hear you, God. I'm all in. See, I'm stepping into victory. And so if you desire to step forward and do that, would you come forward right now? If the Spirit of God is calling you into something, dealing with you on something, come forward. If not, that's totally cool. Celebrate your victory where you are. That's amazing. And I don't think everybody has to come. I don't. God knows and you know, and God wants you to experience the fullness of what he has for you. So let's do it. Let's spend that time with him right here, right now, in the place that he's calling us. So Father, here we are. Your Holy Spirit is so incredibly faithful. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price for my sin, for our sin. <laughs> that we could experience the life that is made new in, in the power of the living God. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you that it's here and now that we can have that, to breathe in new life from you. You're amazing, God. Thank you. I pray for all my brothers and sisters that are here. Those that are watching online, those of us in-house, these that are kneeling at the altar, God, that we would live in the victory you have provided in the blood of the Lamb and share that testimony with everyone we can. Lord, we live a victorious life by your power, by your grace, by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we declare that truth and we want to step fully into it. <laughs> we want to draw near to you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.
Thank you for this moment that we have this opportunity to be with you. Thank you, God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We're finished.